0: Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and
1: gentlemen. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention?
0: Right now showtime. Are you ready? Are you ready for start time? Let's find out. Ready? Let's go. Go, 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 go.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Get your popcorn ready. Sit back, relax, because it's about time for Chatting with George Noonan. Aw, yeah. Hello. <laughs> hey, Kim, how are you?
0: Hey, George. How's it going?
1: Good. What's going on?
0: Uh, you know, I like I couldn't sleep, so I got up at the cracks. So I've been awake since like 4.30 this morning.
1: Oh, really? So was I, actually. It's funny. We could have done it then.
0: Right? Seriously. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm just warning you, my dogs are like snoring in the background. So <laughs> if you hear something, it's them.
1: Not a problem. I'll warn you, there's trains going by every couple of hours. So if you hear one. What's that? There's a, I'm in the I'm in my garage and there's a, the train runs behind me.
0: Oh, all right. So I know might- I was actually thinking because I got up this morning so early. I'm like all right, should I go to Abington? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Georgia's going to be like, who the heck is this that my friends whoever ever the bell?
1: Oh, it's a star. That was Well, you, according to you, you don't even know where Abington is. I thought
0: that was pretty awesome. Well, I didn't. I had to, like, I literally just went and got up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like around 40 minutes away without traffic. Yeah. And I would have, but it was like the way back. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'll make it back in time.
1: Yeah, probably not. You was, you, you did the right thing. Yeah. And so you have to leave at a specific time. But what, what do you have another podcast to do? Are you that, that popular?
0: I know, right? No, I actually um have like a listing appointment with a client this morning. Oh, like, nice. So it was supposed to be yesterday, but I switched things around my son's birthdays today and the weather looked stinky. So I'm like, oh, let's, you know, do it. So whatever, we flip flop things.
1: Wow. Okay. So you, you had the birthday party yesterday. Is that right? I know. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That worked out well. It was good weather.
0: I know absolutely. It was like this summer, if there's a nice day, you' it, you have to like jump on it this It doesn't even feel like summer,
1: I know it's crazy right it's it's people have been dying to be over this pandemic, and we're starting to get there and this the weather's crap, you can't win
0: I know. It's crazy. But you know what will happen as soon as school goes back? It's going to be like a hundred degrees. I feel like <laughs> that happens now. Like the is like shifted into like the fall.
1: I've always said that because it used to be April showers bring May flowers. And now there's no rain in April. All the, all the rains in May and June. Uh, I know. And, and I, I really, I really believe that. And it's, if you think about it, people are complaining about the winter in like, uh, it gets colder. I think it, like it gets cooler in September and then by November, people are going, "Oh, it's winter! It's winter! It's not winter till the end of December." I know. So it feels like you It feels like a winter for six months because you start to count early. I guess I don't know.
0: I know. Well, it's like it's kind of hard not to when it's like July and they got the Halloween candy and Christmas. Yeah, yeah right, right. That, so.
1: That's insane to me. Thanks. Right? And Thanksgiving gets no respect. Right, right to the right to the um, the Christmas after whatever was before I, that. I know it's, re- it's not it's ridiculous. So we, it was, if you don't have I me mean asking, was the listing in Stoneham? Are you a, a local? No,
0: I'm all actually all over the place. So I kind of am surprised I don't know where Abington is because I do the whole <laughs> greater Boston area. Yeah. So I was like, so I'm like, yeah, you, you're you near Stoneham, right? Uh, yeah,
1: somewhat. We're, we're closer to, uh, we we abut, if you will, uh, Brockton and the Bridgewaters.
0: Oh, all right, all right. One of my roommates from college um, was from East Bridgewater. Oh,
1: so there you go. Um
0: Yes, I am familiar with that area. Um, you no, know, today this appointment's actually in Lawrence. Nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> so this is, um, it's actually a really nice house. It's a three-family spacious on a huge lot. Um,
1: oh, shameless plug, people, I like
0: so- it. I know, right? <laughs> oh, nice little investment <laughs> opportunity for someone up near the Merrimack River. That's
1: right, that's <laughs> right. Everybody out there, jump on it. It's going quick.
0: I know. I well, it is crazy. Like the houses are flying off the market. You it's like you list it on a Wednesday, it's under contract by Monday night. It's it's crazy what's going on. Is that right? Yeah, I that... mean it's definitely a sellers market for sure. Wow. And there's like no inventory. So it's like you have all these buyers and there's no houses, so it's like, you know, a bidding war. Wow. Everybody's waving inspections. It's kind of crazy. Really? Yeah.
1: What's the most you've sold over bid? Is it, wait,
0: did that wait did, oh, did I say that right? I say that right? Are you uh, serious? Over, asking. over Yeah. over asking, right? Really? Over a hundred thousand over asking. Wow. Yeah. Nuts with no inspection.
1: With how does how do you get past that?
0: So like anybody, I mean, it's not that it's recommended, but in this market, when you're up against, you know, in some situations, a couple dozen buyers, you know, they're going with you know, the cleanest offer, the homeowner who can close. There's no contingencies, no inspections. Not that this is something that I recommend. It's just like what's happening in the marketplace right now. And it's crazy because properties are at like an all-time high. So it's kind of nuts.
1: So you don't have to. I thought inspections were mandatory. I guess not. No,
0: they're not mandatory. They're just highly Um, recommended. They're highly recommended. Do you
1: have to to sign waivers or anything if you don't get one? Because you could just Um, easily.
0: Yeah, so like it's usually on your offer, you just cross out that you're not, you know, there's no inspection contingency. You just cross it out that you're not doing it. Wow, as is. So it's it's not a requirement. You are purchasing that property as is, for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wow, <laughs> like, so
1: you're you're more like an auctioneer then. Say that again. That again. Just kidding. Well, you're more like an auctioneer.
0: Oh right. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's nuts. What's going on? And then it's like the big question is, when is this going to shift? When's the craziness, you know, going to end? And the, like the funny part is, if you ask someone two or three years ago, they'd be like, "Oh, it's the height of the market. It's the height of market, right?" And so that still rings true now. People are like, "It's the height of the market." But I definitely think we are seeing signs, just with like gas prices increasing. Um, just the forbearances on the mortgages are going to be expiring. Like there are signs that things are shifting, interest rates are slowly creeping. So I do think, you know, we will see a shift at some point in the next year, but it's just, you know, nobody has that. If we all only had that magic globe, like even (laughs) if it was two or three years ago, we could have been like, all right, yeah, let's invest in some properties. But people back then were like, oh, it's too high. It's too high. And now look at it. Even 2020 to now, it's absolutely nuts.
1: So you were busy during the pandemic.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of funny because everybody's like, you know, felt that, you know, they were in this shelter in place. My life really has almost been busier during the pandemic than ever before, which is kind of crazy. One, because of the real estate market, Um, I do that more than full-time. And then I'm also a teacher. So I literally work around the clock. So just with learning a new way to teach virtually, and I'm a phys ed teacher, so that was a little bit interesting when we were remote at the beginning of last school year. But I actually went in the building probably... I was with students probably by the third week in September in person in like the district that I work in the kids, like half of them came in one week, the other half came in the second week. So between that and then working real estate afternoons, evenings, weekends, and around the clock, I don't know. I'm like, I never felt like there was a pandemic.
1: That's insane.
0: I know it is. But I- So like a lot of my friends that are in the private sector they've been home and some of them are not going to go back in the office because offices I think have realized, oh, we can save money, keep people at home, you know, less, rent and less space they need to um, lease. And, you know, they'll let people go in here and there in the office. But a lot of my friends, especially I'm finding like in the biotech industry, a lot of them are working from home like permanently. So it's just like, change their lives completely like socially and then you know emotionally everything but for me I don't know you know how people are like oh my gosh I haven't seen anyone I never went through that because I was teaching and going to open houses meeting with homeowners and the pandemic did not slow down the real estate market at all
1: that, that well that's good for you of course but yeah but, but the question that's on my mind is how do you teach phys ed Virtually, do you say, Hey, uh, Johnny, throw a jelly ball at your face, at your own face? What, <laughs> well, what, do, you, what do you do?
0: So, all right, so it's kind of funny. Um, so, when I was teaching virtually, I would, you know me, George, I'm kind of like a wackadoodle. I have a lot of energy and get creative. So we'd start out class with like a dance party. (laughs) I'd like put on a YouTube music video. We'd kick back to like the 80s thriller. Like I'd get up and make all the kids get up and like start out class. Like we'd all have a dance party to kickstart class. And then just like, you know, I'd tell everybody get in a comfortable spot. We'd do yoga. Um, They'd find, you know, a quiet spot at home. Um, just being super, super creative and like some of it too, like I would do some choice boards, like if it was super nice day out and give the kids like, you know, you know, go shoot baskets in the driveway, go ride around the block and on your bike, like, do you know what I mean? Come back, meet me here in 15 minutes. Like, so it was just like getting creative. And then when we were like back on campus, it was interesting because they wanted us to, you know, social distance. So, um, We would, you know, space yoga mats out six feet apart and kind of more doing like workouts more so than um, collaborative sports, Um, you know, until things loosened up at the end of the school year. It was more like individual stuff and then cleaning everything, you know, we were doing archery and just being super creative with the curriculum and it was, we actually said we actually did a lot more things than we would ever think of because we had to think outside the box. And I think it was actually really beneficial because there's those kids that don't like competitive sports, but more individual and just learning that like fitness is a lifestyle, like a lifetime type commitment. And it doesn't have to be something that you have to be part of a sports team to enjoy. Um, so we saw kids engaged that we maybe wouldn't see them engaged to that level had we done it like a traditional school year if that makes sense
1: absolutely cuz they had a chance to shine instead of just shying away and and not wanting to participate
0: yeah absolutely um so like a lot a lot of positive things came out of it and we like in the district I work in we do like a wellness model so it's more you know we focused a lot on social emotional health which i think is key i don't know that a lot of families talk about those things at home but in the pandemic definitely it affected these kids obviously socially which affects them mentally and emotionally so we spent a lot of time like teaching the kids about mindfulness and how to like understand your body and anxiety and if your stomach hurts and where your thoughts are going and kind of learning how to like control That through meditation and, you know, just things that kind of calm you down, whether it's like listening to music or going for a walk or um, just really being creative in getting the kids to identify like how they're feeling um, through like activities that we were having them do. So a lot of positive things came out of it that we'll carry that we'll use, you know, moving forward.
1: That's great. I mean, it, it, it's good that you were able to think out of the box and do that, because my first reaction was, that's the easiest gig in the world. All right, go run, and uh, we'll see you Thursday. I know, right? <laughs> but how old did you feel when you put on Thriller, and they all said, who is this?
0: Oh, you have no idea, George. Some of the music, they've never heard of. It's like, <laughs> what? You don't know this? 99 Red Balloons? Come on.
1: 99 uh, Red Balloons. Why is it spelled Balloons, by the way? Is that, I know, right? What is that?
0: Seriously, I don't know. Um, but we definitely expose them to some good eighties music. It helps when your colleagues are the same age as you, and we all enjoy the same music. (laughs) Um, but then the kids too, we'd be like, all right, anybody want to give us some choice music that you want to listen to? And then I'd be like, oh, I never heard of this. All right. It's not too bad, but (laughs) you and I will both agree. Nothing compares to music from the eighties.
1: Listen, if you can't party with Dexie's Midnight Runners, who can you party with? Right. I mean, if you're not tub thumping, are you really dancing?
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, hilarious, George. <laughs> when is the last time I've seen you? I think it's since, since high school.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think so. Is too. that not? It is not. Look
0: at me. No, I'm gonna flip it. I'm like, wh- how long have you been down in Abington? <laughs> uh,
1: going on, I would say six years or se- six or seven. I don't know. Time. I, I have no concept of time. It seems okay, like I, it I seems know. like I got here last Thursday to be honest. But it's I been. know,
0: right? Time's just it's kind of scary. Do you have kids, George, or not? No. Okay, like I think sometimes too, like being a parent, you're so busy raising your kids that you're not even realizing that you're growing up too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden like they had these like huge birthday marks and it's like, what, 10 years went by? What, 20 years went by? When you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, oh my God, you're 20 years older too. Like, how <laughs> did we get here?
1: I, I don't know. I have no I idea. I feel like
0: we literally just graduated from Stoneham High School. It feels
1: that way. Isn't it nuts? Yeah, you mentioned last time I saw you, a, a funny. Well, it's not a funny story. I feel bad actually because one time I go to I would I was going to the Boston Comic Con and Rhode Island Comic Con. I'd go by myself for the most part.
0: Where do you go?
1: But, uh The Boston Comic Con in the Rhode. Oh I- yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was I was in line, and I saw your sister and her kids walking. They, they she was way ahead of me. She was already surrounding the building going into it where I was on the street across from the walk. So I wasn't able to like, I, I could, if I could have yelled to her if I wanted to, but it would have yeah. been ridiculous. I'm like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just see her in there. Yeah. I never saw her again. <laughs> I felt so. Well,
0: that's huge, isn't it?
1: It is. I didn't but I think that was my first time going.
0: Okay. And, and
1: so I didn't know the deal. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't realize how big it actually was. Yeah, but I and it, but it was cool because I'm like, oh, good. I, all right. I'll, I'll say hi to her when I get in there. Yeah. Okay, sure. No, yeah. no problem. It, it was oh really, and I didn't want to tell her because what do I say? Oh, I was gonna say hi. I know, <laughs> But I didn't. So oh, what's the big deal?
0: That's hysterical. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. My sister's really into that stuff. So I've been I've never been, but I hear it's quite the event. It's
1: a lot of fun. It's a lot of people
0: dress up and stuff, right? Like crazy.
1: They do. They, they dress up to the night. It's that's why I went, I wanted to go, I actually was, I wanted to go see the, the, I don't want to say the freaks, but I wanted to see the costumes, how, how freaky they were. And, and, um, it it didn't disappoint. I've gone pretty much every year since, except for this year I'm not going, but,
0: uh, yeah, no, I've heard. It's It's a lot of fun. Probably that's probably even more entertaining. Like people think of like at Halloween too, like this just reminds me of Halloween people dressing up, like go to Salem. But I bet it's actually more entertaining to go to where you went. Oh, it's.
1: <laughs> are you prohibited from saying Comic Con? Are you? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm like, am I saying are right? I'm where like, did he Comic-Con? go? Where, where was it? <laughs> what? What's it
1: called? Yeah, it's the Comic Convention, so it's Comic Con. Uh, all right. It was just it's it's insane because the people they just they go all out and they they pose for it. They don't care. They just it's all just one big.
0: Well, costume party funny, almost. My sister has um, has a friend, and he legit dresses up like Mr. T. <laughs> and I mean, he'll just pick people up like he act. They act the part too. They don't just dress up like right. They legit act the part. So like him and I'm like friends with him on Facebook, and like him and his friends. And I will look at like over the years the pictures they post, and it, I mean, you would like think who they're dressing up with as that they're legit that's who they are and they act like, them and like it's like oh my gosh it's a whole nother world
1: yeah they're in character it's hysterical because you, oh, you walk character. by and, and and it's you're like dude you're you're scotty from weymouth i mean you're not <laughs> you know what i mean you're not venom relax you're not you're I not know, really right? venom but it, but it, really but it is kind of cool though because the little kids absolutely love it because they i don't know if they believe it or not but they get a kick out of it and
0: Oh my gosh! Well, I don't know what just made me think of this. So I can't. I like I'm not a TV person. Like I just I'm too like hyper. I I joke, but I'm serious. Like I basically <laughs> you said, have you said adult wackadoodle.
1: ADHD. Kim, Kim, you, said, what, you what? said you said wackadoodle. Oh yeah, wack. You did. That's. That, <laughs> I'm glad you said it. I yeah, was thinking it, cool. but you said it. So.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> um, like I can't sit still. So like watching TV is painful. But it, something just made me think of this because I saw this on TV oh, I can't, I don't even know what I was watching. This girl was dating and then married this guy that, like, kind of started dressing up like one of these people that would be at Comic-Con. And then this guy, like, basically took over the persona and, like, was believing that he was actually this person. And it's like that's what I feel like this is. Like Comic Con some of these people like they lose their own identity and they end up being this person. <laughs> it's not just like the Comic Con event, you know?
1: Yeah. No. It, it's, like it, it's a it is a lot of fun. But you put, now this show you're watching, you you don't know the name of by chance, do you?
0: The name, the name of the show that you, I was, you, watching. was just
1: on, and he was just looking at it, and then got into a kind yeah, of yeah, yeah.
0: I like came across it, and like they were in therapy because this guy <laughs> took on the persona, whoever the person was that he was dressing up with, like twenty four seven going out like that, like to work, and it was becoming like problem in his personal life. because
1: <laughs> well, so, I, I think I think Krista would really like it. That's why I wanted to know. So I wanted to be able to tell her what it was. But it sounds like it's oh, she, yeah. she's probably already watched. You know, Krista Drury, uh, Cecia. You yeah. know, you probably know her it's really. Yeah, she she loves, she watches all that stuff.
0: So, oh, okay. um, so
1: I'm pretty sure she already has it on her DVR. But I just wanted to know if I. Could. Oh my
0: gosh, that's, <laughs> how, that's hysterical! So, do you keep in touch with the lot of stone people? Um,
1: uh, somewhat, not not well. Uh, uh, yes and no, I guess is the answer. I, I the podcast has helped because I get to reach out to people I normally wouldn't have reached out to, or, or re- I'm reminded to reach out to these people.
0: Yeah, no, that is awesome, because I see like you like on the podcast having a lot of stone on people, so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. It is kind of cool how it does bring you back in touch with people, like look at you and I, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You didn't even know where Abington was until yesterday, I'm <laughs> imagining.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, <laughs> historical. But it
1: is a lot of fun. People Like I've had um, most people during the pandemic, I was able to figure out. I, see, I, I got lucky because – um I started in the end of the winter so that it was it was easy to be in the garage doing this.
0: Yeah, I no, that's awesome.
1: But through the summer but then when the winter came again I, what was it? I didn't I was I, fi- I figured out I could use the phone. I didn't know I could. It was a special hookup which actually came with my machine whatever. It's not even a machine, it's a little handheld thing. Uh and then so I was able to call my mother in Buffalo. I was able to call uh Just anybody I wanted to, even if the weather was bad, because nobody wants to travel in the snow. Yeah. So I did a lot of phone things, and it's just opened it up. So it's really, I can. It's it's pretty much opened the doors for everything because, like you, like you would, you would have had to drive down here, or I would have had to meet you, or something. We would have met somewhere, but now you just you're just sitting in your house somewhere, right? So that's it's just that much easier and more readily available.
0: It's awesome, definitely. What made you start the um, podcast?
1: It was something I've I've I thought about, and after everything shut down, um, I got all kinds of refunds on my credit card for things I had purchased, like concerts that were canceled and hotel rooms that were canceled. And I just said, if I'm going to do this, now's the time because it's to me it was yeah they've been paid for like you know, a year in advance, all these things that I did. So it felt like free money. Yeah. Um, So I said, all right, I I can do this. And I I met some guys in Rhode Island who have a podcast at the Rhode Island Comic-Con, actually.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And I
1: got some advice from them on how to start it and what to get. And they they gave me some ideas. And I pretty much did what they said. And I just just did it. it. It's one of those things where you just have to kind of do it.
0: Plus, even for like the listening audience, like it was good timing with the pandemic because I think people were like looking to find things to fill their time with too. Sure. And I love audio stuff because I can't sit still long enough to like open a book or read a book or watch something. But like (laughs) I'm constantly listening to stuff as I'm doing stuff, like whether I'm unloading the dishwasher or folding laundry or whatever, it's so much easier to listen to something than to Cover out the time to like sit there and watch it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, whether it's in the car or wherever you are, so I think it's really cool that you're doing this.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun, really. And plus, it's like you, like you mentioned, you get to reacquaint yourself with people that you because you lose track of time, like you said. You wake up, it's twenty years later. I know, and, and you haven't seen these people in years, and and it's just yeah. one of those things. And then plus, the people who are listening get to they feel like they're catching up too. I, I know people who yell at the phone when I screw something up or whatever they're listening to because. They think they're part of the company. It's it's great because you you think, yeah, you think no, you're, you're involved. It's uh, it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, so I was I was thinking it's funny because I thought of you um, a couple months ago actually, and I I, I I didn't I wanted to I knew I wasn't going to do the YouTube thing for long because the app just was awful and it was the quality was poor. Um, it just it just didn't I didn't want to put that out. So I I didn't want to get somebody new, and have your first experience be crappy. You know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Yep. So I wanted to. Get, I wanted. I wanted Shannon to be first afterwards because she's the first person I did the podcast with. Okay. Um. So then I called uh, Bridget was last last episode and she I I've I've been thinking of her because I didn't have anyone from her class and I really wanted her but she said beforehand she didn't. She couldn't because she didn't have a computer to do the YouTube thing. Okay. So she couldn't do it. But then once I found out I was not doing it anymore, I asked her again. She's like, oh, yeah, sure, then, no problem. So that was good. But then I was like, all right, now. I oh, know, yeah, that's not true. And then I thought, of you, because you're, you, I know you're in the real estate and you, you're doing all the, you do health and wellness and you're a wackadoodle. That helps because who, right? who doesn't, I know. Who doesn't love a wackadoodle? Yeah, well, you, you are. You, and that's why you were you were on the list. I just didn't want to do it. During when I wasn't happy with the product.
0: Yeah, no, I no, I understand that. I know I've done a couple other podcasts um, with other people. So I'm doing the circuit, George. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm luckier than I thought. Look at this.
0: But it, it's interesting to see how different people do it, too. Like, so... Um, Stoneham TV. Were you into that type of stuff before? Like audiovisual type stuff? I had, a I, t- I
1: had a TV show. I had two TV shows and one in high school and one after high school. All
0: right. That's what I thought. Okay. I like vaguely remember the one in high school because a local mom, like she had gone down to Stone TV and they'll let you use the studio, everything for free. Like, so she does a podcast out of there, Um, and it's pretty cool that I had never been in there before. So she was the first one I did. Um, I'm trying to think, I can't even keep track, but I, I've done a couple of them. I've actually thought about doing the, doing one myself. Oh, yeah. It's just, my problem is like, I want to do everything and there's not enough hours <laughs> in the day. Um, so it's like, all right, Kim, which is kind of, it's interesting because, um, sometimes I have to like, you know, really focus with my ADHD because it, I like, I feel like, oh my gosh, there's only so many hours, life's so short. And there's so many things I want to do still in my lifetime. Like I've always wanted to write a book. Like there's things that I just want to accomplish. And it's kind of funny because I have had like multiple careers. And um, I think it's because I'm going along and then I find something and it's like, oh my gosh, that totally jazzes me up. Like I'm an entrepreneur at heart by far. Like I grew up, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I've had that in my blood like since I was a kid. Um, and I always have found, like, if you see there's a need or a want, like that's an idea for somebody to start a business. Do you know what I mean? But it's interesting because I feel like everything in life is like culminating. Like every experience leads you to the next and the skills that you acquire along the way or what prepare you for the next thing. And it's interesting because a lot of people, like I think we're brought up in a society that you're taught like, oh, you need to go to college to gain the skills for this job. Like even still, even though a lot of people move around, a lot of people don't go outside the field that they start in. Do you know what I mean? Like they might end up doing something different than they went for college, what they went to school for. But a lot of people still stay in the same industry, maybe switch companies, switch jobs. And it's interesting because, you know, I have kids that are that age and approaching that age are like, what am I going to do? Like I'm graduating from high school. And, you know, I tell them, it's not even that you have to decide what you want to do. It's just like, go do anything because you'll acquire some skill that you'll use for whatever the next thing is, for whatever the next thing is. And not to be afraid to try something new or do something different because life's too short to stay in, you know, one one thing. If Like, I don't know, it's that whole thing that... I look at different people and it's the, you know, the doing what's safe and what feels comfortable. But I always say like success is outside your comfort zone. When you feel uncomfortable, like you have to push through that because a lot of people, whether it's relationships or jobs, they just stay paralyzed because of fear of the unknown. Um, And it's something like I've practiced to push through. And it's always awesome when you push through and you get on the other side. Like, yeah. And it's so interesting because doing the real estate I honestly feel like through all my experience that I've had personally and professionally, it's led me to this point that I'm like, wow, my kids are like, you work around the clock. I'm like, but it's not work. When you find something that you love, this is truly my hobby, what I love doing, because it kind of brings everything together, what I've done over the last 20 or 30 years. And it's a little bit of everything. It's, you know, it's, I always say too, it's not selling houses. It's actually helping people in their journey, whatever their next destination is, whether they're buying or they're selling. And it's being part of that with individuals and families that's so gratifying that it's not just about selling a house. It's like seeing where they're at and where they're trying to go and helping them in that process, but also like utilizing all these skills that have accumulated over the years because, you know, it takes a lot of like data analysis and negotiation. Like there's a lot of things that come into play, but at the end of the day, it's like people helping people um, that I think makes all the difference and, you know, trying to give back to society too, along the way, I think is super huge. Like when you've been, um, afford an opportunity to be successful is like paying it back. I think is, I always say like along the way I've been successful because there's been those people that have been instrumental in my life of like being mentors and then realizing that there's those people like, you know, reaching back and pulling someone along the way with you. I think, you know, that stuff gives me the chills and that carries over being a teacher too. There's those kids that I see that no one has breathed belief in them yet. And I love to pull aside that kid when I see something in them. I'm a middle school teacher and say, you know what, this is what I want you to go do or go try in high school. And I want you to come back. If not, I'm going to reach out to you. I want to know that you went out for the track team. I want to know that you tried out for the volleyball team. Like, I want you to go be a PR mentor because you have a skill set and then look at you like, oh my gosh, really? You think I can do this? And I'm like, think I know you can. Absolutely. And like, we all need to be those people in each other's lives because I know I had those people in my life, which um, I have to be honest with you, George, you, when I think back in to like some of my high school years specifically like running track. And I wouldn't have thought of track as being like my, you know, my big thing in high school, but it's the people and the relationships. And that's how I like met you and your sister. And like, you guys always stood out to me. You always had a smile on your face. One of the friendliest people that I remember, like really, really fond memories. And that's like a testament of, you know, who you are as a person. I have to be honest with you. Like I, had connected with your sister a year or so ago and I told her the same thing, like just super nice, nice people at the core in high school who were like inclusive of all kids in different groups. And we need more of that. So I want to like thank you for being that person to me back then, because even you in the role that you're in now. Like, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, people want to talk on your podcast. Like, when you asked me, I didn't even have to hesitate for a second. I was like, absolutely, I want (laughs) to talk to George. You put a smile on my face.
1: Oh, that's great, Kim. I'm glad. Excuse me. I appreciate that. But who was the biggest info? You said you you have a lot of people that you're rewilding yourself after. Who would you? So,
0: it's interesting. So, one, I'd say my biggest mentor, her name was um, Carol Caldwell. And, um, I met her fresh out of college and, um, it's interesting. I, there's two, there's two mentors like professionally, one, you might actually know him. Um, and of course right now, you know, when you want to pull a name and I'm like, oh my gosh, why well, can't, I'm going to come back to him, but he gave me my first job out of college. The second one was, um, was her name was Carol Caldwell and I had worked at a marketing agency, like probably, I don't know, I probably started there like around 23 years old, if I had to guess. And um, and she was about 20, 25 years older than me. And she just kind of took me under her wing. And I really looked up to her as a person and as a professional. And we stayed in close contact for a long time. She passed away a few years ago. But it's just, you know, that one person that will bring you under, your, under their wing and share their knowledge and just who they are as a person and how they live their life. And I always looked up to her and she just really laid the groundwork for me in my professional career. I had done database marketing for about a decade before I started my family. And, uh, and she was just super admirable. And I think it's just when someone believes in you, it just gives you the confidence to fly. I think that's the biggest um, thing. And like, even in, Um, I can remember, I know this sounds crazy, but in addition to doing sports, I grew up dancing for the dance studio Wakefield. And one of um, the dance teachers there, Diane, there's three sisters that own it. I can remember her like seeing something in me when I was probably like 10 or 12 years old and encouraged me to try out. They had like a company or nowadays I think they call it like a competition type team and I remember thinking really like I don't I don't think that I'm good enough and she's like I'm telling you right now try out for try out you have the skills so I remember like trying out for it and then like back then they posted all the names of who had made the competition team or company and I remember like you know, wanted to go look at the list, but feeling funny, like, what am I going to do if I go look at it? How am I going to feel? So I went and looked at it and I didn't see my name. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. This was a growing experience. And then I, do you remember Jen Rakowski from high school? Yeah, sure. All right. So she was like a year younger than us. I remember her, she tried out too. Um, and she's like, I walked away. I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't make it. She's like, you did. You were like, cause I wasn't looking at the top of the list because I was looking at the bottom. I thought i would be one of the last people to make the team. And she's like, you're like the fifth or sixth person that made it go back and look at it. And I was like dumbfounded. And it was like, you know what? Had I not had like Diane at the time, one of the teachers that like encouraged me to try out, I never would have tried out. And like a similar thing happened in college. I, um, uh, you know, they didn't have a dance team. And so one of the girls that I had met my freshman year, it said she was going to try out for cheering. And I'm like, I had never cheered, And, um, and I, 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 have to be honest. I don't know that I really had ever looked at it as a sport. And so she was trying out. She's like, just try out, you know, you have all the skills that it takes. And I remember hundreds of girls at the time trying out and like made the team and was like, Whoa. And then me, I ended up being captain, co-captain my senior year in college and, Me and the other co-captain, we actually made it an NCAA sport, like went and, you know, got it recognized as a legit sport and not a club in college. So it's just, you know, when and and it's that whole thing of like paying back. Do you know what I mean? That there's a lot of girls that, you know, chair. It is a sport and it was a co-ed sport in college, too. When I was at school, it was um, guys and girls that were on the team. And then being like, you know what, we want this recognized and then taking the initiative to make sure that it's recognized as a college sport. Like that's a, that type of stuff's a big deal too when something's important to you is um, bringing it to the next level for the people that are, to come behind you. That's really important to me. Um, and then like I, like even, you know, teaching, there's been those teachers that have inspired me. And when you even think about who the teachers were when you were growing up, that made a difference in your life. It wasn't the content they were teaching, but it was how they made you feel. So, I try and like carry that forth when I'm teaching, and I'm pretty good um, reader of kids and how they're feeling, just how they hold their bodies and their body language, and just kind of coming around to those kids that you know you see them maybe struggling in one way or another, and breathing belief in them, because that's what makes a difference in someone's life. Like people won't remember what you said to them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. That's super important to me as a teacher, Um, just the relationship more so than even sometimes the content. And I know like I'm a phys ed and wellness teacher, so it's maybe different than teaching math or English. But, you know, when I look back in my life, it's those teachers that... Affected who I was as as a person because I was one of those kids in school too. I had to work hard for my grades. It didn't come naturally. Um, and back then we didn't have the support that kids have nowadays that maybe struggled. So like for me to get B's was me like putting in a ton of work to get B's. It wasn't something, you know that you know I heard something once and it was like all right I got it. It was like no I had to work to be a B student. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think that's super important.
1: Is there a specific teacher at Stoneham High School? You know where I'm going with oh, this, gosh. so just take it away.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, gosh, even like, I have to be honest, probably even when I, like, starting even at elementary school, I have specific teachers that I can remember I had um, this teacher in first grade, her name was Mrs. Capital Lupo, And and um, I went to Robin Hood, I know, right? Capital and, Lupo? Um, Capital Lupo. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. That was a time. Tw- I can't even believe we didn't call her back like Mrs. C or something. What? You, <laughs>
1: you didn't? That's crazy. I
0: know, right? I'm like, how do we pronounce that? Um, and I can remember, I'll be honest. Like, So my dad was a recovered alcoholic. He became a recovered alcoholic probably around my eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade. And I was struggling, which I didn't know back then because kids didn't know how to put words to it or just wasn't talked about with maybe some like depression or anxiety and I remember her noticing that something wasn't right with me. And I, so I remember, do you remember Brigham's at Redstone? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so she, like with my mom's permission, asked if she could take me out for ice cream after school. So we went to um, to Brigham's for ice cream. And then like, I just remember not even us necessarily talking about what was going on in my head because I didn't really know how to express it. But me feeling like, wow, this person cares about me and they are willing to like take their personal time outside of school and like establish a relationship with me to let me know like they care about me that it made me like feel comfortable going to school because I was struggling just going to school at the time um and then like I can remember um Miss McQuinn I don't know I think you guys probably went to cell school or something different so you might not know some of these teachers obviously like Mr. Mayo um was a huge you know and then um just even in high school, like, um, Jim Carino, Sharon Chapman, they were, I mean, just really memorable people. And they were the people, not because the content, because the relationships that they established with the students was huge. Um, just, you know, those teachers that you felt like you could go to. And I've always wanted to be that, that teacher with my students that even, you know, in the town I teach in the middle schools connected with the high school, that it's not like, oh, I'm just here during your middle school years and see you off. It's like, no, it's those kids that come back to you their sophomore, junior year, and they need somebody to talk to and you're there for them. Like, that's making a difference in someone's life to me. Not 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 necessarily remembering that algebraic equation that you'll never <laughs> <laughs> use in your life, right?
1: I use the uh, Pythagorean theory every day, so. I do I
0: really you? Know. They, like, how come that doesn't surprise me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You mentioned earlier that you want to write a book and I've been, I've been keeping this in the back of my head because I'm dying to know, would it be fiction or nonfiction? And what has stopped you from doing it other than time?
0: Yeah, time is the only thing. Um, So it definitely be nonfiction. um, And it would be probably a journey of my life again that people could identify with some of the struggles that I've been through because I am positive. So someone could look at me and be like, oh, she has it easy, but I am transparent and will share some of the struggles I've had in my life. Um, but I think sometimes people let those struggles identify who they are. And instead of like celebrating who you are today because of those, because you can't recognize the good without the bad. Right. Um, and I think sometimes when you go through struggles in life, you can let them identify you, you can let them paralyze you, or you can learn from them and move forward. And when you can learn from them and move forward, it just makes you a stronger person and more resilient. Um, and I think sometimes people don't realize that they have a choice. Like they have a, de- you have a decision every day you wake up, you know, what you want to do with your life. In um, realizing that <clears throat> something could have happened to you when you were younger or like even as an adult, but you know, this life's short and you need like make the most of it and celebrate every day that you wake up and find the goodness. It doesn't mean that I don't have my moments that I'm, you know, stressed or anxious or this or that, but it's just being um, grateful for every day. And I've been, I've been blessed to be honest with you with a lot of really, really good friends in my life that have made all the difference for me. Um, so I, you know, my mother once said to me, when I was a kid, that every person she ever meets, she considers a friend. Like I don't think people come in and out of your life by mistake. I know sometimes they might be those people there that are for season. You can't I mean, like, you know, you meet people through jobs, through schools, neighborhoods that you live in. So it's like impossible to stay in touch with everyone. But um but often, you know, you think of different people and they bring a smile to your face and just taking those little pieces with you. Um, but just to kind of share my life story with people because I have been through a lot and maybe being an inspiration to people. Um, You know, just because I have had a lot go on in my life to the point, I think sometimes when I talk about it, people like, wow, I had no idea that you've been through all of that. You seem so positive. And it's like, yeah, like I, I feel grateful, even though I've, I've had my share of stuff that I've been through. I feel happy every day that I wake up, that it's a new day for a new beginning. And I think a lot of people could, benefit from, you know, hearing the struggles. I actually had somebody recently say to me, I'll, I, you know, I'll often share with homeowners. Often, sometimes people are selling the house. You know, you might have those people that are upgrading from their first house. You know, they want to bring up their family to, you know, buy a bigger house, but often there's a death in the family. There's a loss of a job. Um, There's major things going on. And I have to be honest, part of me feels like, that's the gratifying part is that I can be there. And I, I'll be honest, I'm one of those agents that I never walk in a house with a contract. Like I'm not there to make the sale. If you feel like it's a good fit, and you want to work with me, that's awesome. But it's to, I feel sometimes I'm, you know, I'm called to meet with these homeowners because of what they're going through personally. And if we can partner together and work together and help sell their house along the way, that's great. But it's almost one of those things too, like giving back and, some people are surprised that I'll share personal stuff with people, but it's like, you know what, that's what makes us human and us be able to connect with each other because I have had my struggles. And, um, and I think when you can be vulnerable with someone else and share your story too, they're, they feel more comfortable and feel like they can open up to you. Cause I feel like, you know, that goes back to like when we were kids, like if, People had stress or anxiety or personal things going at home. That wasn't talked about. It was like, shh, don't talk about that. That stays at home, right? But I think we as a society are more aware now of like even people struggling with mental illness. And the more that people can just be honest about their own lives, people feel like they can be themselves and talk about what's going on in their personal life and we can help each other out. I think people need more of that in this world of just people being honest and open and not being like ashamed to share some of the things that have happened in their life. So, you know, sometimes I'll share somebody's, you know, has a, I, I don't, I, I wish for personal stuff is somebody says they have a family member that passed. I don't know if you know, George, I lost my parents right after high school. I don't know if you know that. Um, but, like, my dad had passed away in 94, my mom in 97, and, like, I've lost my brother-in-law, one of my nieces. Like, I've had a lot of hard times in my life, and but I don't look at it as darkness. Um, you know, we celebrate each of their lives. We talk about that. My sister and I, we, we, we joke around a lot. Humor always helps us through, like, a lot of the things that we've gone through. And that's what our loved ones would want us to do, right, at the end of the day, is, like, celebrate who they are. Um, and carry that good stuff with us, like moving forward. So I try and share that with other people, like as much as I can.
1: Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. I did not know that, and I am sorry for your losses, obviously. But, <clears throat> um, it, are you are you alluded to reconnecting with my sister about a year ago, and I think that was about the time that you opened up on Facebook about something. I forget because I know I commented on it. Um, is that something you're willing to share now or would you rather not?
0: If, what are you, what are you referencing?
1: I honestly, I think it's something specific, but I don't want to say it in case it's not true. Um, I believe it had to do with alcohol if I'm not mistaken, or is that, or am I wrong?
0: Yeah, no, you maybe did. I don't know. I might have, <laughs> cause I'm pretty open. Like I shared that, um, you know, that my dad was an alcoholic. Um, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. So, um, so like I grew up, like my dad actually didn't drink in front of us. Like he, he would come home after being out. So I'll be honest. So my dad was a police officer. And like, after he got off duty, he'd probably go out drinking with some of his buddies. And so he'd always work like to the 11 o'clock shift, go out drinking, come home, um, and then like sleep the next day. And so like our friends would come over and just be like, oh, your dad's always sleeping. Right. <laughs> it was like, um, And so, but so like, and as a kid to see that, that affects you. Like I, I wasn't one of these kids. I didn't drink in high school. I didn't party. I actually was part of um, students against drunk driving. Um, and I, I didn't realize until I was older, actually, probably until I had kids, like just, it affects the way you look at alcohol and think of it when you see it affect your family directly, um, and feel like your parents not there for you all the time. Like I can remember times like it'd be Halloween and I'd be so excited. My father was going to come home that he wouldn't show up at home to take me check-or-treating or it was like Girl Scouts. It was the father daughter dance and my father wouldn't show up, you know, to take me to the dance and like one of my neighbors would have to take me. Um, but it, it took me a while to learn, like, you know, cause I, we didn't have alcohol in the house cause I had a parent that was an alcoholic. So it took me, you know, probably I'd say in my, early to to mid late twenties to realize like, it's okay that people can socially drink and they don't have a problem with it. And like, I socially drink, I'll have a glass of wine with dinner. Um, But when you see alcohol kind of destroy or affect a family, it, it affects you. And some people maybe, you know, fall into that same lifestyle. Um, Or, you know, I've seen people like, kind of like the opposite of me and my sister, like alcohol's, not been one of those things that we, it's a big part of our lives. Like we'll have a social drink or whatever. Um, but I think when you have those struggles, you know, like the things that I say, like you can decide how you want to live your life instead of succumbing to a lifestyle that you witness. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like you either go down that road or take the opposite, like often. And I don't know why some people, whether it's alcohol or whatever it is um, a gambling addiction or whatever it might be, some people choose it and some people go in the opposite direction. Um, but I think sometimes too, just realizing I, I've always been a person that's like super self-aware. Um, so I think that has helped me, um, in situations like make healthy decisions, if that makes sense.
1: Sure. Sure. It does. Yeah. 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 Do you, ever- um, but
0: usually nothing's off the table with me, George, you can ask me anything. I'm literally, a <laughs> fuck. and I, it's because I want to be able to help other people like through some of the things that i've had happen in my life do you know what i mean
1: sure what did uh what was the uh i hate asking these questions but you, you wrote the book your your parents passing how did you do anything do you regret not regret but do you how, did your life change I, I, I don't know what the question, I'm not trying to get the question out. You were probably going down a certain path and then you lose yeah. your, your parents. So your life has changed dramatically. Yeah. Where do you think you were headed at that time? And, and did that help you yeah, become the no, person I, you are now?
0: Yeah. So, it, um so like, I'll, so, I'll, so what happened was like, so like April of 94, um, which it was my senior, senior year in college, my mother was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so we thought it was benign, but when they went to operate on her, it was um it's called the geoblastoma. It's actually a malignant brain tumor that has what they call phalanges, like tendril like that grow through the brain. So I hate to say it, but it's probably the most serious brain tumor you can get. And most, most people that are diagnosed with that type of brain tumor only live about 12 weeks. Miraculously, my mother did live for three years. So my um so my mother was operated on and had um brain surgery and then literally like Within a week, my father, which it was like two nights before I graduated from college, he dropped dead of a ma- massive heart attack. So it was hard. I I was told the the morning before my graduation because he passed away at like 10 p.m. at night. Um, and so I wasn't home. I was away at college. And so my um my sister and my aunt and uncle and mother had come out to tell me that um that my dad passed. And at first we were doing, I forget what they call it, but it was like the practice run for graduation. And I was actually one of the speakers at graduation because I was a class officer. So I can remember my class advisor saying, oh, like right after this, we're going to go over to the campus center because there's someone over there that wants to talk to you. Deep down, George, I really thought I was going over there to find out that my mother had passed away. So we're like heading over there. And then all of a sudden I see my uncle, like it seemed like miles away, but he was across the courtyard standing there. And, um, he like walked out to greet me halfway and he tells me my dad passed away. And I know this, like, you know how you just, I didn't, I didn't believe it. I, I was like, no, like, and he's like, you're, and then all of a sudden I saw my mother and my aunt push my mother around the corner with, um, in a wheelchair. And then the reality like set in and to find out, like, you know, like when you lose your parent and then you find out that your other parents gonna pat, you know your other parents gonna pass like you lo- you know you're gonna lose your parents back to back. So I had to grow up like in that moment overnight at twenty one years old. And my mom, like we had some wonderful memories those three years. We were very, very fortunate and like took an awesome trip. Like, you know, we flew out to California, spent a month and just zigzagged back and forth um on the western part of the country. It was an amazing trip and great memories. But um but, you know, my mother died shortly thereafter. And then, you know, you're 21 years old and your friends, most when you think of most 21-year-olds, what are they doing? They're traveling, they're getting apartments with their friends. I basically grew up that day and kind of assumed the life of someone that, you know, would probably be in their 30s or 40s. My parents had passed away. My sister, by the time my mother, you know, passed, was married, she had her own house. So all of a sudden I was left with this house. My parents weren't retired. They were young, 50 years old. So I had to like, get roommates to afford the mortgage, like people that I didn't know, strangers moving into my house. I'm like mowing lawn, taking care of this property. My friends are living like these carefree lives. So I had to grow up overnight in the responsibilities that I had. And I couldn't make a choice. Like I decided to, you know, take over the mortgage and I couldn't afford it. I was 21 years old, 24 years old. Like, So I had to, you know, make a decision then. What did I want to do? Like, you know, my parents weren't retired. I didn't have like this golden nest egg that was left to me. So I decided like I'm gonna, I don't know where I'm gonna go, what I'm gonna do. All of a sudden I'm in a position that I don't have parents. So I decided to go at the time the internet was just, you know, coming out. It was called um roommate connection and found this website and had strangers move into my childhood home. It was difficult. They were hard years. Um, but it taught me a real sense of responsibility. Um, and you know, I just a really, really strong work ethic that I think was infused in me from a young age, just seeing like how my parents were like, my mom didn't work much outside of the house, but you know, I can't discount women that stay home. It's a lot of work. It's a full-time job. And, um, and just seeing how hard my dad worked, he, like I I told you, he'd become recovered and he owned a real estate office in, um, Arlington. He was a broker owner there and, he was a lot into like commercial real estate and bought and sold businesses and just seeing him, you know, working around the clock. I was brought up with that strong work ethic and, um, in I'm thankful for that. And it definitely made me strong and resilient. And I think it's kind of brought me to where I am today because of that. I, you know, I, again, I, I try to, I look at the positive and I'm thankful that for that time and I just look at it as like, it's part of my life story. That's what I always say. Like we all have our different struggles and that's part of, that's a chapter in your book. Like that was a chapter in my book. Do you know what I mean? Um, In just my life, you always expect the unexpected. It didn't play out like how most people's lives would in their twenties. I would probably live in what the life of a 30 year old at the age of 21.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. I can't imagine, but uh, It's weird because you, you'd never know it, the way you are, and that's a a testament to you. And maybe growing up at that age, like you did, yeah, did that. And
0: I'm, I'm like, and I know it's crazy. Like, that's the thing. Like, some people would be like, "Oh, why me? uh, This stinks or whatever." But it's like, all right, let's do it. I guess that's how I wake up every day. Let's do it. Like, doesn't mean you can't cry, but get back up and be like, all right, what are we doing now? Like, because at the end of the day. You are the only person that affects when you let things identify you or get you down and I see people do it it makes me sad for them because their life could be so fulfilling if they're like all right this is this is just another turn on the roller coaster light roller coaster ride let's do it like what's next you know like so um i i I feel like me sharing my story and people seeing my attitude and like I said, I'm not perfect I my days or whatever but I get back up and I get back up and Um, and I don't know, that's been true in every phase of my life and different things that I deal with, how I deal with it. You know what? You can have your moment, but don't let that moment identify you. Like there's a world waiting out there for you and you can make a difference. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And if, if I, I'd like to say that I foreshadowed the tub thumping reference earlier, but you literally get knocked down and you get back up again. So you are, you are Chumbawamba. You're, you're, oh you're now Kim Chumbawamba. I'm sorry. That's, right? That's, that's, now I
0: have a visual of that in my head.
1: <laughs> of, of, of a Chumbawamba or are you getting knocked down and getting up again?
0: Of a Chumbawamba. I don't even
1: know what a Chumbawamba is. I don't know. You, I don't either, oh, you, you just I have, have a visual a, what's, of What's it. your visual? Tell me.
0: It's kind of like the ice bucket challenge, but it's slime and it's gooey in it. <laughs> so yeah. It's
1: Nickelodeon then, basically.
0: It's Nickelodeon all over <laughs> it, Yeah.
1: <laughs> well that that's that's a that's amazing i i don't know what, to, what what's the next chapter in your book
0: i don't know that's what is so exciting you like know. i have like big visions george so like i i think i told you like along the way i've tried to give back i've done a lot of fundraisers for different people in their life i had um i had a foundation um It was called Jigsaw Affordable Foundation. And I am my business partner at the time. We just made a huge donation to Autism Housing Pathways that we just created this revolving fund for kids with autism. Well, when they reach adulthood, a lot of them, like they're on um, social security disability. And because of it, they can't have money in the bank account in order to get housing. So we just started up this revolving fund to help them with first last month's rent security deposit so they can secure housing. for themselves and live an independent lifestyle. And now I'm like, lately it's been put on my heart. I think I'm going to start a foundation, I think called um, the Kearns Nardone Foundation. And I haven't exactly determined what, but almost like helping out people in times of need, like a big thing for me too, is because like through the real estate, a lot of times people need to make a move because of a life event that has happened in their life. And maybe just like even helping people out, like Whatever the need is, so you know, you know, I I like to rally around people when they're going through things to like let's put together a meal train, like let's help them in this way. Like you know, I've done fundraisers for different people when they've had big events happen in their life, and just a foundation or resource that people can go to when they need that extra help in life, um, whatever it is, of something that they're going through personally. So that's like the latest thing that's been put on my heart. So you could check back with me, but it's something that I, I, I want to kick off in the next year and, you know, start a foundation. So I try and like, I'm always one that, you know, um, tries to give back a percent of what I make and pay it forward to people that are in need, because I've had those times in my life that I've had, you know, people even just with their love and support rally around me. And we all need those people in our lives.
1: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent, but how do you, how do you start something like that though? Like,
0: Um, so like I, you can do anything you put your mind to, right? So, um, just, you would start like a not-for-profit, a 403B and, um, start up a fund, a foundation, and then, um, just let people know about it and people come to you and, you know, you donate money to where it's needed. So I don't know, like I never say, figure it out. You'll figure it out as you start the process. That's how I've approached everything in my life. Cause I think that can be paralyzing to people. Like people want to do something and they're like, well, I don't know how to do it. And they're trying to figure it out. It's like, just take action. That's all you have to do. And then it will get you where you're supposed to go. Like Google's your best friend. All right. Like (laughs) Google to know. Um, so I don't know, like I've started, you know, LLCs and businesses in the past. I've probably, I don't know, I've probably done at this point, I don't know, at least three or four startups. Um, And it's just every day taking a little bit of action and you figure out what you're supposed to do. That's another thing that I want to do someday is be a business coach, because I think a lot of people have awesome ideas and they don't know the first step. And it'd be like almost like someone that wants to go see a mental health counselor and help them. Somebody that has a business idea, come to me and I'll tell you what you need to do. Go give you your homework. Come back to me next week. Go start the next. Like, I'm really good at that. Um, being resourceful and pointing people in the right direction of what they need to do to take the next step. Um, I have a master's in business from Northeastern University, um, and I took a lot of my classes in entrepreneurship and marketing. So it's just, um, you know, putting a lot of things in life is putting people in touch with the right people that can help them figure out what the next step is to what they're trying to do. So um, so when anything, when I've, you know, I understand different business entities, what makes sense for different people and just almost putting together your power team. I think sometimes when people try and do things, they think they need to do it on their own, but it's just connecting people with the right people to help them figure out how to do it along the way.
1: You said power team. That That's, did you, is that a real estate term? Is that something you came up with? Is that a, because um, I've never heard it before. And it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. So I think like a power team, I probably first heard about it. Yeah, I think I probably heard about it when I first started. I first started getting to real estate. I did a lot of off market, um, not your traditional like wearing a real estate hat, real estate, realtor. I'm a licensed realtor, but not being a licensed realtor, a real estate agent, but doing off market transactions. Hey, hey, Kim, real
1: quick. I'm sorry to interrupt, but. This is my power train that I was telling you about I earlier. heard
0: the power train in the back.
1: I've done three podcasts out here since I, I, I stopped the YouTube thing, and this is the first train. I, I couldn't believe it. I haven't had one train. And,
0: oh, my God. Yes. Bill, this is awesome, George. Want to know why? There's this kid. He's like 10 years old that rides his bike by my house all the time, and he has, like, this noise machine on the bike. And literally, <laughs> my son said the other day, he goes, do you hear the train? in the court?" I'm like, yeah, where's that coming from? This little kid's rides his bike bike. And he, he said Abington. Oh, my gosh. It's awesome. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I, like
1: did, it. I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, I, I, I thought usually the guy leans on the horn, and I didn't want – I wanted you to be heard. So he can, oh, yeah, You can no, still no, hear it. Awesome. it if, 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 so you, you, the power train, I apologize. I mean, not the power no, train. No, I love it. I the, love the, it. The power team, I'm sorry. The power team. You were you – were, you were, I, I think I – i lost your train of thought don't worry there'll be be another one coming by what a
0: power team is so let me like i'll give the analogy of someone Mm -hmm. in real estate okay sure and i always tell people people try and do everything themselves you you do what you're good at and then you outsource everything else that's how you're successful you let you let everyone the professional do their job so for instance i'm a i'm a realtor right i'm a real estate agent i'm an investor If I want to do something, if I go to someone's house and I'm helping them sell the house, I'm not taking the photos. I'm not a professional photographer. I outsource anything that I'm not a professional at, where some people try and do it all on their own. That's how you get burnt out. That's how you don't have good results when you're trying to do things. I outsource. I've had many walks of life. I was a tax preparer at one point. I've worked in a CPA office. Guess what? I still outsource my... Taxes? Can I do them on my own? Have I helped people with their tax returns? Yeah, but guess what? If I really want it done and done efficiently, into the best that it can be done, then I'm going to outsource it to a professional. So, when you're doing a business, anything that you can outsource to someone who can do it better, outsource it. All right. So, if I'm a real estate agent, I'm outsourcing um, my photography. I'm outsourcing to a CPA. I outsource. I have somebody go put up my signs for me. Like I have people do the jobs that can do it quicker, faster, and better than I can do. And so I think when you are starting any business, you know, obviously capital comes into play when you're starting your own business. So like at the beginning, you might have to do things on your own, but as soon, the best thing that you can do is invest in yourself, which means to invest in other people. And often people aren't even um, aware of resources. That's where I love to like tell people. There's often like things that you can apply for, grants through the SBA, dot gov, um, that you can actually get grants for startups. And a lot of people don't know even where they went to college or in their own community, there's grants that you can apply for, or even having college students, you know, where you went to college do a project for you that it's part of the course that they're taking. Like a lot of kids want to do that to build up their resume. So I get really resourceful when I'm running a business or doing a startup And surrounding myself with people that can help me be successful. And I think that's true for a lot of people, but that's where I feel like I can help people as a business coach, fast track what they want to do, and use the resources that are available to them that they're sometimes unaware of.
1: That's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs)
0: Um, I, so, so George, check back with me We'll do the Kearns Nardone Foundation Then we'll do Kearns Nardone Consulting <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, are you married to the, the Kearns Nardone Foundation name?
0: Um, no, I'm not married to it You have a better name? I do Alright, tell me
1: uh, Chambawamba Foundation
0: Oh my gosh, I love it <laughs> I just need the spelling.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. It, I, I, I I I don't know, I, and we we'll probably have to get permission. But um, oh my god! No, that's fantastic. That's, awesome. that's fantastic. Do you have any? Um, do you want to promote your real estate agency or anything like that?
0: Yeah. So um, so I so I go by Kerns Nardone Realty. Um, my maiden name's Kearns. I am actually divorced, but my married name's Nardone. My three boys have that name, and. My dad was really instrumental in me. My dad always, you know, I have to be honest. So my dad was huge inspiration to me. He grew up in the projects in Somerville. I remember going to his college graduation from Northeastern University. He was the first person in his family to graduate from college. And he was always, you know, of the mindset, you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, and was probably my biggest encourager and cheerleader when it came to education, just the opportunities that are ours if we want to go after them. So I wanted to carry forth that name in real estate just because life comes full circle. It was funny. I grew up like going to open houses with him on the weekends and I don't know why never crossed my mind that it might be something I love, which I feel like I found my passion. And then just my boys, um, like having, you know, and my my legal name's Kearns Nardone, but I tend to often go by Nardone, but having that be a part of it because, you know, my boys are my whole life um, and hopefully I can be an inspiration to them. And so I go by Kearns Nardone Realty. You can check me out, kimkearnsnardone.com, our kearnsnardonerealty.com and see a little bit of what I do. But basically, um, like I said, my approach to real estate is just helping families and individuals on their next destination, whatever that might be. And it looks different for every single person. So it's not a cookie cutter thing like, oh, we're going to sell your house. It looks a little bit different for every family. Every family has different needs and wants and desires and um, just working closely with them. And I pride myself in building a relationship. It's so funny. I end up often developing relationships with the clients that I work with that go beyond, like I said, it's not just selling your house. Like I recently, um, developed a relationship with one of my clients. I helped them sell a couple properties. Now I think I'm going down to Florida with them in August. <laughs> and awesome. so that's just kind of what happens, right? And I'm fortunately because my um I work for a broker. It's called City Light Homes out of Peabody Mass. And <laughs> They give us a ton of leads. I can't say enough about City Light Homes. There are some I, I work for Peter Solaris from the show on A&E called Flipping Boston. I don't know if you've seen it. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. Him and his brother-in-law Rob Berry, own it. Good, good people. And um, he gives me a lot of leads I go on. So it like it's I literally cover the Greater Boston area, and um, and so I come. You know, often like today I'm going to this appointment. When I got off the phone from here and I've had a coupled initial conversations with the homeowner but I get to meet you know people that I would never meet otherwise this has brought me on you know so many different routes and avenues and meeting so many different people so of course I have friends and family that I work with organically but just through the broker that I work for I I've received a ton of opportunity from them and I'm very appreciative of that um but yeah if anybody needs anything for real estate check me out Kim Curran <laughs> Nardone dot com or you can call me check me out on facebook and instagram i actually i also run a blog called greater boston lifestyle on facebook and instagram and it's kind of just to let people know like things that are going on in the area i feature businesses on there um i'll give you a shout out for your podcast once you post it i'll post that over there it's just kind of connecting people letting them know different things that are going on and of course there's like real estate related stuff on there too
1: oh that'd be great thank you uh, you mentioned earlier, you hope you were an inspiration to your boys. I'm pretty sure that you are and many others as well. And I, Thank you. I do appreciate your time, Kim. It was great catching up. And when you get that foundation going, give me a call and we'll get you on hit or promote it some more.
0: Yeah, no, I'd love that. And if I'm down in Abington, I might to call you. i <laughs> like, George, let me see the garage.
1: Absolutely. You're more than welcome. Anytime. I'd love it. Thank you, Kim. Good luck today. And I appreciate everything. And, and, and All right. good luck. Keep your
0: Likewise. head up. bye. Thanks, George. Take care. All right, bye-bye.